Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey, welcome to the Ohioan. I've got Craig with me. Um, Brandon should be here uh, before long. Uh, it is, what is today, Craig? Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Wow. June 2nd. We are in June now. My yeah. <laughs> um, it's, vaccine, it's Vaximilian Day. Yes, Vaximilian Day. And you know what? We should mention this at the top. We've got a story about this, but I guess the big thing overriding is health orders are gone today. Yeah. Wow. It seems like, well, it's funny because my wife and I went shopping, grocery shopping yesterday, and we get in there and, you know, it says masks are optional for fully vaccinated people. We were kind of looking around. There were people, some people still wearing masks. So we thought, well, maybe we could, you know, unmask today. We know we're fully vaccinated. We've been fully vaccinated now for several months. So we decided to, to go you know, to go without a mask at Kroger yesterday, surprisingly. Could you imagine, like, I'm not talking if we went back in time to, like, 1600 or something, but could you imagine if, like, we went back in time? I think we first met each other a couple years back. Like, if we did this podcast from the first day we met each other, and um, we were able to, like, look into the future and say, what are we going to sound like in 2021? And we heard, like, the 2018, I think that's when we first met, version of us, heard what we were talking about 2021. We've been like, what the heck has happened in the world? <laughs> we're like, you know, health orders and, uh, you know, hey, I felt weird taking off my mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange time, but, I, you know, I, I guess we're kind of coming out of this, I suppose. I mean, you know, I feel being fully vaccinated, we, you know, my wife and I feel very confident that, you know, we're okay. And, you know, we'll, we'll wear masks when appropriate and probably err on the side of caution. But, you know, I think we're, we're kind of getting out of this. So I guess we're kind of in that mode where, you know, we feel safe enough to wear, to not wear a mask unless otherwise told to. Well, and we're going to take a look at that deeper um, later in the show, but just wanted to mention it kind of felt like that was the yeah. overriding news of the day. And you're right. Vaximillion's coming uh, tonight. Got some news about that later in the show, but let's start out. And, you know, I don't know. Sometimes people listen to the show and say, man, you talk about COVID. It's hard not to talk about COVID. Uh, so this is kind of a COVID story, but I thought this was interesting. Um, been hearing some stuff about this in the news meetings I've been checking out lately. It, it's funny. It's COVID. It's we're not having enough workers. I, I think COVID's kind of underneath everything, but 
I'm I kind of I'm seeing this story um by Alexander Coolidge of the Cincinnati Inquirer that talks about all these things that are in short supply, and it's crazy. Um, yeah. yesterday, Craig, I took uh, I'm off work this week. I took some time off. Uh, my wife is uh, finishing up her school. The kids are out, so took the week off. And um, yesterday, we're, we're trying to find a place to eat. I had to, my phone charger was. My wife had to school by mistake, so I had to go pick it up. We were looking for a place to eat for the kids on the way home, and we stopped by a Arby's. And you know, it was funny. The Arby's person was telling me, "Man, we got nobody working here. Our hours are being slashed and everything. And not just the hours of the workers, the hours of the place." I'm like, "Whoa, this is crazy." And we've talked about that, all the shortages this summer. Well, um, like I said, Alexander Coolidge of Cincinnati Choir had a pretty good article here uh, talking about all the other stuff that you can't find this summer because of shortages. And, Craig, this list is kind of huge. Uh, let's go for it a little bit. Yeah. First of all, chicken wings and other meat products. Um, you know, they talked to Cincinnati um, Place about this. I, I'm trying to find, uh, you, you know, the processing plants are short-staffed and they can't keep up demand. Uh, since the beginning of the COVID panic, um, you know, I'll be, I, I saw a comment on Facebook last night that I thought was interesting. Um, you know, they were talking about um, stimulus checks, and I guess there's some uh, discussion in the federal government, do we offer another stimulus check or not? And one of the comments I saw on my Facebook was saying, well, if there is places where you can work, there should be stimulus checks because, Look at all these jobs that are available. To that, though, I'm thinking, yeah, I think there's less danger, I would say, at this time in 2021 at, like, a meat processing plant, for example. But still, there is a cost-benefit analysis of that. And do you say, is it worth it? Now, based on your work ethic, based on how you feel about COVID, everyone's going to have a different answer. But I guess the thing I'm thinking is we should have the right to make that you know, determination like anything else. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm a minute ago, I'm talking about how it seems like we're getting out of this, but I think we're going to see and, and feel the repercussions of the pandemic for, for years on end. I, you know, I, I think that, you know, we, we talk about shortages. I, you know, the thing that always comes to mind during this pandemic was uh, my wife and I went to Burger King one day and when we got up to the to the uh, drive through window and they said, well, we don't have any burgers. And I'm like, oh, well, this is Burger King and you don't have any hamburgers. So, you know, the shortage, the shortage is real on some of this stuff where, you know, maybe sometimes when you least expect it and it, it's, you know, and maybe, you know, the, the job market, you know, we, we feel like it's it's funny when you see the sign to drive by and it says, hey, stimulus check every two weeks or signing bonus or, you know, higher wages and things like that. You know, it's still going to be interesting to see if people are going to, you know, get back out into the workforce and, and maybe there is, you know, grounds for a, a, another stimulus check of some kind just to kind of finish out some of this. But I don't, I don't know that that will happen. I doubt that will happen. Um, especially as people say, well, we're open in the state of Ohio, Texas is open, other states are open. So there's no excuse to not get your jobs back or to not seek work. Um, and, and, 
negate the need for a, a stimulus check. But, you know, I think there's always going to be an argument that some people are still uncomfortable. Maybe there's, you know, people with immune issues who, who maybe could not get the vaccine that would still be skeptical about, you know, returning to the workforce. That's probably going to be fewer and far between compared to where it was at the beginning of the pandemic when everybody was maybe skeptical. But, you know, there's still going to be some some iffy issues going on with getting back to normal from the workforce perspective, from shortages of chicken and things like that. And, and it's it's still going to be a real thing well beyond these health orders expiring today. Well, and here's the other thing. It's like I drive by Arby's and they say, oh, we can't find workers. You know, we're cutting our hours. You can't make the logical leap saying, okay, there's nobody working at Wendy's, so everyone's at home, you know, playing PlayStation all day. I mean, there's work from home jobs. It's not just yeah. companies like ours that say, hey, some of you guys can work from home. There's companies that are growing right now based on the yeah. fact that they say, hey, we can do whatever we're doing based on work at home stuff. Right. So, and again, and that doesn't mean close half the Wendy's or close half the Arby's or whatever, but we just have to consider a change on how we do our life. And, you know, it, it comes to the point where, hey, if we had this conversation two years ago and you said, hey, Chris, if you want some extra money, why don't you work hours a week at Wendy's? You know, I would be like, whoa, 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 what? You know, I'm a professional, whatever. I was talking to my wife about this last night. And I'm like, look, either maybe you or me, if we can get out of the house for five, ten hours, maybe we go work at the Arby's or Wendy's or something like that you know, to get some extra money. And again, we're, I'm not leaving my current job for that or right. anything else, but just a way to, to get an extra paycheck. I mean, it's... And it's out there and it's possible. So I think part of, again, it goes all back to politics. I don't want to waste your time talking about that part. But the thing is, we all just have to look at what happens and what happens differently. And I like having these talks here on this show because, yeah, I mean, let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about staying safe. But let's try to be a little bit futurist and project what's happening because if you can project what's happening you could be in great shape in the future you might sit there and say hey i love what i'm doing but this is going to become hot now after the pandemic and so instead of you know struggling and if we ever got back to the recession or something you know you're worried it's more like saying hey i'm putting two and two together and figuring out what works the best um here's another thing that kind of surprised me and i look at this story a lot of these are covid based but chlorine um I, I was talking about we've got a, kind of like a small, medium-sized inflatable pool in, in our um, garage. It hasn't got warm enough. The kids are excited. As soon as it gets warm, we'll try to bring it to the back. We've always kind of dreamed, hey, if we win the vaccine, maybe we can get a pool or something. Um, but they're saying that there was a big um, company that produces this chlorine that burned down. Nothing COVID-related. It just burned down and... <laughs> They're saying it makes like ninety percent or something of the uh, of the chlorine. I mean, it's a humongous chlorine provider, and when it burned down, I mean, it's out. And they're saying there's also huge demand, because especially last year, more people were putting pools saying, "Hey, if we can't go anywhere, let's really reinvest into our house." So that's kind of wild. And Craig, right. the other thing I mentioned. I mean, we've got uh, freezers, uh, washers, appliances on back order. Uh, a lot of that was because of the stimulus money. Hey, if you, if you get a stimulus check, you're able to pay your bills. You say, hey, you know, 
a next thing is maybe I replace an appliance. Um, also, um, you know, we're nesting at our homes. You know, we're, you know, if sometimes we want, might want to do a project. Hey, if we're going to spend more time at home, uh, maybe let's invest in a construction project or something. Wood prices have sold, have soared 300% since last year. Hmm. Craig, this isn't the time to put addition on your house there. Yeah. Um, it's it's amazing. I mean, it you know it, it's strange how some things have benefited. You know, you you hate to say the word benefited from the pandemic, but you you, you know it's strange to to think that some things have you know become a you know a benefit, and some things you know it's weird to think that there's a shortage of new bikes. You know, of bicycles yeah, just everything. It it just seems very odd, and you know, I mean, uh, it's. You know, I don't, you, you might follow the the PlayStation and Xbox, uh, you know, issues where they have these new systems that came out last year, and you can't really find them. I mean, they're very hard to find, and a lot of it was because of uh, technology shortages too. You know, we we've seen that with uh, broadband issues that have been you know brought to the attention of the state of Ohio. Uh, we've seen you know increases in use in technology in schools. So there's just been so many, you know, strange things where it's like you've got to take from one place and, and add it to another, and that creates a shortage on something else, like a video game system of all things. And, you know, it just it's just a weird, it's been a strange year for everything, you know, where some things have thrived. I mean, I did a story last year right at the beginning of the pandemic where, you know, after that first stimulus check, a lot of people were really uh, into this local uh bike shop this local well this local motorsport shop where they were selling four wheelers and things like that because they were considered uh to be you know <clears throat> a necessary business because they sold to farmers and things like that so it seemed like a lot of uh just strange things pop up out of nowhere that become very popular or you know obviously like you said you know people had more time in their hands so they wanted to, to maybe do some more recreation stuff because that was at the at the time, it was sort of allowed. You were allowed to go out to the you know trails and hike and you know get out and about and you know people like were, were getting into that kind of stuff more so or you know using that stimulus check to purchase something new. So it's just been a lot of uh, strange you know kind of give and take a little bit with some of these things where you have some shortages. You know we have a, a local chicken uh, producer, Roots Poultry in uh, Fremont that actually, you know, I did a story on them because we heard about Tyson and Purdue kind of struggling to maintain, but, you know, Roots Poultry was doing pretty well, actually, during the pandemic, and they weren't really experiencing any shortages um, in what they were normally producing. So it's just been a strange year for everybody involved. Yeah, and we talk about flexibility. Um, you know, Brandon's joined us. Uh, he'll be on for the second segment. Um, you know, be flexible Companies should be flexible how they pay their employees, uh, new incentives, new perks, and we should be flexible on how we consume, how we do our shopping. And like I said, if we need that second job, man, if if we're get, if a lot of these places are starting to give like five hundred dollar bonuses, hey, this might be the time to take a jump. I mean, I don't know if you have to work forty hours to get that, but it'd be interesting. Yeah. All right, um, let me give you some good advice before we head to the second segment. Um, again, you know, check out banking. You, you know, we talked about finances and everything. Uh, Chase Bank uh, g- gives a great deal. Um, it works. You can do a lot of great online banking with Chase. Uh, sign for account. Uh, click on any of the links that you use to um, uh, listen to the show. Uh, set up account. Attach direct deposit. You'll get $225 into your account. 
and it'll help us out too. So check out Chase Bank. It's worked for us, and we want it to work for you as well. All right. So, um, yeah, so from the idea of all the stuff that we don't have, um, I want to kind of take a uh, divert from COVID for a little bit. Uh, there was an interesting story. This is kind of from my the area I grew up at. Camp McKinley uh, is one of the um, – I, I wouldn't say it's a top high school program in the country right now, but it's been a, a traditional, historic uh, football program in um, America. Um, a lot of um, pro players have played there. Uh, one of the most well-known rivalries in high school football, McKinley gets Maslin. Uh, they're one of the participants in there. And I know our friends at the Canton Repository was working on a story over the past week. Uh, they they disciplined the head coach and some of the assistant coaches. And uh, sometimes with the schools, you don't get transparency right away on what the heck happened. Well, a big story broke for the past few days. Um, talking about what happened was uh, there was a, a student that um, is Muslim. And he, he wasn't able to, like he was told that he he needed to eat pork which uh is a violation of you know muslim you know procedures the way they do things and everything else and uh, the school's being investigated and um you know the coaches are disciplined uh for this and um now the player is saying he's going to sue the canton schools for the religious violation uh, it's a pretty big deal uh as brandon gets set up let me start with you craig um, you know, this is something that you probably wouldn't hear much of like 20 years ago. Um, you know, suits of religious violations, but you know, you gotta respect other people and their beliefs. It, it sounds like the, you know, that didn't happen here. Yeah, uh, well, reading through the story, it looks like he's a member of the Hebrew Israeli religious faith. Um, oh, okay. But, you know, still, it, it certainly, you know, forbids him to consume pork. And I, I'm not really sure why a, why a football coach would would be forcing a kid to, to sit down and eat uh, pizza against someone's will. It, it just, a lot of this just does not make sense to me that, you know, someone would be forced to, to sit down and eat something, you know, and be told by the head coach that you have to eat this. Uh, just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So I'm glad that they're fighting this and and just you know speaking their mind and saying that this is something that violates their beliefs. And um, certainly, uh, you know, it looks like he was he was punished for missing a voluntary practice. You know, which you, you kind of wonder if anybody else was. Um, and you know, and it looks like he you know so they said that he missed the practice because he had an injury. So. Uh, it's an unfortunate situation, and, and I hope that, uh, you know, the school is held accountable for this because it, it does seem like there's a violation of this uh, this young man's rights. And I apologize for not thoroughly reading the story because obviously there's a huge difference between um, Hebrews and uh, Muslims. But irregardless of what it is, and, you know, I'm not my, – my faith isn't Muslim – but, you know, if you're Hebrew, if you're Muslim, or whatever the case it might be, you've got to respect the religious beliefs of others. And especially when the religious beliefs become a bigger deal. Uh, Brandon, I, I think it's weird. He missed the practice, which obviously in football is a no-no. And there's, you know, there's some type of a, um, I guess, discipline that, you know, coaches need to 
say. So instead of running the laps after practice or instead of being yelled at or maybe missing a play or two, it's strange how the coach said, hey, you need to eat this, you know, um, you know, large cupboard pizza in front of everybody. I'm I, I'm, I'm wondering, the story didn't make it clear, was the coach like, hey, you're Hebrew, so you got to eat this pizza. It seems like an unusual punishment for something like that. Yeah, you know, I think it's, I'm curious of, um, it's, this also speaks to some sort of larger story about what's the relationship like between your typical um, high school coach and athlete. Whether there are, you know, kind of like, um, I'm curious, that, because that's a question I have, you know, like, is there um, always been kind of like this tradition of uh, hazing-like punishments <laughs> um, throughout the years? And, you know, I, I, and I don't know how long this, this particular coach has been coached for, and whether it comes from a time when maybe stupid stuff like this was acceptable. But still, though, I mean... Uh, I think the story is a little bit, even the stories kind of identify this lad a bit diff, raw, in, inaccurately. It should be black Hebrew Israelites is what what's coming up. I, I was like, I was like, I was like, Craig, like, wait, Hebrew Israeli, that's not a Muslim. But definitely I, I never heard of, I've heard of black Hebrew Israel, Israelites. So um, I think that's probably the more accurate term for to describe this man's religion. And sure, they don't eat pork, according to a quick search. But um, um, yeah, at the end of the day, you know. It is a head scratcher, you know, when you, you know, trying to, you know, try to punish someone by t uh, targeting their beliefs um, and trying to make them violate that. It it'd be like you, Chris, you know, if I told you to go like, um, oh, you're I don't know what what would some punishment that would violate your faith. I don't know. Um, steal steal some cookies, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess whatever whatever the sin would be. I mean, you know, hey, go cheat on your wife, or go lie, or watch some pornographers. And, you know, it's just kind of strange. You know? <laughs> yeah, that'd be like that's the punishment. I don't know the equivalent. Like, um, eat some shellfish. I guess for some people who might adhere to that. I don't know if many yeah. Christians adhere to that one, but um, but yeah, yeah. In what? Well, oh guess yeah, no prayer, no prayer. If you do, we'll yeah, throw you in the lion's den, Chris. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, we've said it, but it's just, you've got to, and and hey, you know, shame on us for, you know, bungling, you know, what this faith's about or whatever the case might be, but just because they have a different faith, and, you know, it's not like you're saying, okay, we respect this guy's faith, so we all have to have the same faith. No, it's respecting it to the point where you're not singling him out and say, hey, looky here, what if you have a pepperoni pizza in front of everybody? I mean, I don't know, for somebody like me, man, eating a pepperoni pizza wouldn't be a punishment. And I find it strange that they chose this, hey, eat this pepperoni pizza, if they supposedly didn't understand. And, I mean, I'm reading for the story, they're talking about, hey, they told this coach like 10 different times, you know, hey, this is a problem, and everything, and apparently they weren't listening and all. And, and you know... I, I can see some people listening to this or some people who are reading the story on cantinrupt.com. It's probably saying, man, what a bunch of, you know, this is 2021, bunch of pansies, you know, grow up hair, you know. You know, when I was a kid, you know, uh, this wouldn't be a problem. But, Craig, it just comes down to the simple respect factor, right? 
Yeah, and it, it, to me, reading through this, even though it's not necessarily said, it seems like it's implied that these these coaches knew that this young man did not eat pork, and it seems like this was like a targeted punishment for whatever reason, where they it's almost like they said let's 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 do this kid ro- the wrong way and and make him eat pizza when you know clearly it, it and it kind of states in the story that you know during previous meals it was kind of known that this this young man does not eat pork so the idea that they're going to you know make him do this in front of everybody and then of course yelling at him you know as he's doing it making him take the pepperoni and some of the cheese or whatever off the pizza where some of the residue was still there this just this just is this wrong completely wrong uh, I don't know what kind of discipline should come of it, but there's there, there has to be some kind of discipline uh, for this coaching staff that uh, that comes out of this because it, you know, and also it kind of implied too that this this young man may, may not be on the team anymore if he didn't do something like this. So it's it, it's just wrong all the way around, and you know, you just hope that something can be done here to to rectify the situation because if you, I feel sorry for this kid having to experience something like this where it seemed like everybody <clears throat> commonly knew that he is not eat pork and then to be forced to eat pork for whatever reason just doesn't make sense to me. My, my parents, when I grew up, you know, they, they had an issue with going to dances. And, you know, I, I could understand if, say, I don't know, like they made you go to a dance and, you know, it, it was understood that, you know, parents were upset about dances and they didn't like it or whatever. You know, I can understand that where people say, huh, that's kind of weird. You know, it's not anti-Christian to go to a dance or something. You know, it, it's one thing if it's like an individual belief that, you know, it's hard to understand. But it, it just, it's very short-sighted. And again, football is, we're this macho sport in football and everything. But again, macho doesn't justify not understanding or respecting where somebody else is coming from. Um, it, it seems pretty obvious. Um, yeah, Craig raises the point. Um, you know, these guys are uh, – coaches are on leave. Um, I don't know, Brandon. To me, I, I would say let the kid go somewhere else. I mean, if he's on the football team, I'm assuming he's good enough to be a football player. Um, it's probably hard for him to go back to the team after all this. Do you – I, I would say, hey, if, if the kid wants to play for a nearby school, let him. If he wants to switch schools, let him. Um, do you think the coaches should lose their job over some, something like this? I think it really determines on what the relationship was like between the player and, and the rest of the team. If it's a simple fix of, you know, you know, getting a new coach, I would go without route. It's easier. Um, usually it's, it's sometimes the coach is the one who determines the culture is what I would presume not having been part of a sporting team or whatnot, but, um, you know, um, uh, I would say that I, I don't, I can't see either way. You can't see this. This is a broken relationship to an extent if it's getting it, getting to the point of the courts. Um, but you know, who knows? Uh, Time will tell. And, um, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, you know, if he, if whatever, you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll make decisions based on what's in their interest. Um, um, either he, whether it's the player switching schools or whether it's the coach getting the ax, um, you know, I think um, definitely a culture change is in order. 
I mean, whatever happened to running laps? I mean, maybe coaches are like, hey, that's boring. Let's pick something unique or something. But whatever happened about, you know, and yeah, you could overdo running laps. Like if I told the player to run for five hours. Yeah, I mean, yeah that'd be fine. Yeah. Like if someone, you show up late, you didn't practice, and the coach says, hey, you'll be running some laps next practice, or you'll be missing a play. You know, yeah. everything is, every all the punishments are sort of related to the game. And to me, that's a relevant punishment. I mean, you know, you can sit here and go, oh, kids these days are different. They're spoiled and everything. Well, kids don't want to run. Kids don't want to miss a play or miss a quarter or a game. I mean, that's still relevant today. Why do we have to be so, and I'm, I'm saying this with quotes, creative with finding new ways of punishing people that are hideously inappropriate? You know, come on. Well, yeah, I, I just want to jump in there, you know, it, it, first of all, the kid missed a voluntary practice, and it seemed like he missed the voluntary practice due to a shoulder injury. So it, there really shouldn't be any punishment, any lap running, any eating That's of a, a too, pizza. Man. Also, too, I know we we just you guys just kind of got done talking a little bit about you know what should happen with with this situation. I don't see why this young man should have to leave this football team. Now, I realize that it may be in his best interest because you know. Maybe it just. Well, he has a choice. That's what I'm saying. But you're saying that maybe he should just go somewhere else when I don't think he should be. That that, that seems like if he were to leave, then that seems like everybody else is is not really being held culpable for this issue. And, you know, I'm not saying that he wouldn't leave and then you could still maybe fire some coaches or whatever. But, you know, if he leaves, then doesn't that sort of mean that they win, that they were able to kick him off the team and get rid of him, and there's no repercussions? And even if there are repercussions, this man's got to up, you know, this young man's got to uproot his his school of choice and go somewhere else because the adults on this team couldn't handle themselves to the point where they forced this kid knowingly who didn't eat pork to eat a pepperoni pizza. So it's like this kid's in a lose-lose situation because if everything stays the same, yeah, he's probably going to be looked at differently, but then why should he be the one that has to leave or, you know, move on to another school when he didn't do anything wrong? Well, to clarify, I'm not saying he has to leave. I'm saying it's his choice. If he's yeah. there, like, screw this crap, I ain't doing this well, anymore, yeah. then then there should not be any restrictions for, well, you're not allowed to switch schools or it's too late to go for the football team. No. Now, if he wants to say, great. He can stay and he should be able to stay. But if he's like, man, I don't want to come back here after all this to happen. If they switch the coaches out or whatever else case may be, he should have the right to leave. I just wanted to clarify. I'm not saying, you know, force him to leave. Just let him leave if he wants to leave. But that's fully up to the kid. So. Hey, before we move on, let me uh, give um, some real quick advice for you guys. Um, you know, we talked a lot about Ashley Holmes' story. I know you're probably you're like, man, I know all about them. They're fine. Layoff. But, yeah, I, I got to keep mentioning them because if you're looking for furniture, it's different. I'm not used to uh, doing my furniture shopping online. I want to go there in person. And I think it's a pain, but I do that. But switch your mindset. Switch your mentality. Uh, Craig and I talked about that in the first segment. Um, you know, hey, after COVID, we might we, we want to do manage your time differently, more effectively. So try Ashley Home Store. If you click on the link on our podcast, they'll give you savings right away. They'll give you a, a discount. I uh, use in store, 
And if you shop online, they have a great online section, and you can have the furniture delivered to you. they got great options, lots of locations. Try Ashley Home Store, a great place to go for all of your furniture needs. Um, Craig and I opened the show by talking about this, but I want to really get into this in the next segment. Uh, this is a – it's a noble day in Ohio. Um, I, I didn't feel any differently waking up, but, you know, the health orders are gone today. And you might – and we've debated back and forth for the past year of what that really means. Uh, the mask mandate, it seemed to not have as much teeth as uh, people who even supported it wanted. But it's gone. It's gone. There's no restrictions. There's no social distancing. I know uh, the Reds and Indians are playing new opening days where they're hoping to fill the stadium. Now, the Reds and Indians don't draw that well, much if they're going to fill their stadium. I mean, unless they're giving you free tickets, but that's another argument for another day. Um, Brandon, I think we're waiting here on the crew, but I would imagine they would allow, you know, full, you know, uh, allow a full stadium, especially with the excitement of a new stadium down there. I don't know, Brandon, what's your reservation? We can go crazy today. I'm feeling a little queasy. What do you think? I mean, like, uh, we're, we're at the point now where we're all, you know, um, we're, where the beach is now open and everyone's in the water and the, uh, I think we have mechanisms in place to keep jaws away, but, um, um, you know, uh, just everyone is, it's a, it's a free for all (laughs) everyone, everyone you have, it's the, the, the burden of keeping you safe from COVID is now on you. Um, and it's going to be tough because you'll be in, if you want to wear a mask, don't feel just because you're in going to businesses or establishments that may not have people wearing masks. Um, you know, doesn't mean you, you don't have to wear a mask. I mean, truth be told though, we, we were all, if we did go to an establishment, you know, we probably wore mat. We took our mask off when we were eating most of the time, but now it's probably particularly bars now where it's like, you could probably get, I'm not sure if the social distancing has a uh, requirement had got, uh, had was one of the ones that will end, but, um, um, you know, probably people will be walking around a little bit more freely without masks. I've been to so already to some establishments, um, where, no one was going in without with a mask. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, um, wife and I are hesitant to go to a concert this weekend, uh, like a mini concert at a, at this local establishment. But, um, 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 so because, you know, of COVID, but also partly also because of the, the, sh- the crime issue over in Columbus, but that's a different topic for another time. But, um, you know, just kind of have to make judgment calls now and just see what's what we feel comfortable with. Man, Craig, you know, we've been very careful about COVID here, but, you know, for the people on the other side, I can see some rural town having a big group hug today, you know, saying, hey, everyone, <laughs> get together, let's all touch each other, you know, yeah. appropriately, of course, you know, yeah. let's, all, let's all give each other hugs and do all the stuff that we normally wasn't able to do. I, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if, um, you know, somebody, some smaller town maybe has a big blowout or something. Um, you know, I, I, we, we kind of touched on this at the beginning of the show. You know, I've been fully vaccinated now for, you know, really about four months. Um, I feel I feel confident 
you know, <clears throat> being protected. There are times where we still do wear masks, my wife and I. Um, we will probably always have our masks with us just in case. There will, you know, will we do a lot more now because of the health orders being lifted? I don't think we're going to do more than what we normally would. So, we, you know, I think the thing that I've looked at the most is maybe, you know, if there's a movie that I want to go see that, you know, I might go to the movie theater and, and you know, I probably could have gone before, but, you know, if there's something that comes out now, I might be more inclined to go to the theater knowing that they still have some sort of protocols in place. Now, I don't know if movie theaters are just going to drop everything now after waiting more than a year to get back at it. But, um, you know, at, at this point, I feel very confident, you know, in, in the vaccination of myself and my wife. Obviously, I'm not very confident in the vaccination rate throughout the rest of the state. But, at, you know, at this point, I think we're going to be cautious, but we're probably going to be more inclined to take our mask off now because we can, but also because we are confident in our vaccination and having that extra layer of protection for ourselves and for other people. Um, but we still probably will mask up, generally speaking, because you just never know if you uh, get it, you might spread it. So you just want to make sure you're safe and you keep other people safe around you. It's going to be weird, I'm thinking. We're so used to, and, you know, if we're with family and everything else, we're you know, you don't wear a mask around family, if like at your house or whatever. And, you know, you watch TV, and obviously people aren't masked up for the most part in TV. I don't know, guys. Are, are you going to feel weirdness about going to some public place for the first time and seeing people without masks? It's going to look weird, do you think? Or Yeah, I, it's going to be strange, obviously. Yeah, it's already been weird for me to go to places where the mask mandate hasn't even been lifted, but... uh yeah. I think it's not being enforced anymore. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's going to be an adjustment. Um, it's like <laughs> at, at the end of the day, wars do come to an end, even if they don't end satisfactorily. Um, right now we, we are putting more stock and reliance on the vaccine. I think the biggest hurdle though, will be determining how long these vaccines are effective and whether we'll need boosters. It seems that that's going to be likely over the coming years. Then it's going to be interesting to see how many people will get the booster. Right. Um, and um, whether <clears throat> COVID kind of resurges over the coming years. I mean, our nation, uh, as a people, we have voted to live with the virus. That's just the sad reality, I think. Um, I'm hoping that's not the case. But I think that's what's that's that's kind of what how I see it playing out. Even though the numbers are looking good and COVID deaths are going down, so um, hospitalizations I think are sort of going down. It kind of varies at least in, uh, for each state. But you know, um, we had an opportunity to really just kind of get get rid of this virus, and I think you know last year was the missed opportunity. But um, you know. Because it was kind of similar, similar. We kind of we did the repeat with this with the Spanish influenza of 1918, where you know some 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 cities t tackled it with masks and some didn't. And president, there was zero zero leadership at the executive branch at the time. Woodrow Wilson never mentioned it. So it's just funny to me how we're what we're willing to live with, um, just just to be free. Um, kind of fascinating. 
human psychology, I suppose. Yeah, I think if you look at the approach of it, everyone's got to look at it differently. I, you know, it depends how old you are. I mean, you know, if you're 80, you probably should treat it differently. If you're 20, uh, I know for us, we got a couple of special needs kids, and we're not sure when they would get vaccinated because they are special needs. We're not anti-vaxxed kids. We just we're proceeding with caution. So I will tell you, uh, Monday Memorial Day, uh, my sister's family had a an event, probably 10, 15 people there. We know my sister's family. Not all of them are fully vaccinated, but we know who is, who isn't. Um, my mom was there, and it was okay. Now, I'll be honest with you. Again, I'm not speaking ill will of the crew or the Indians or Reds or anything else like that. I'm a little bit reluctant to get into a full stadium right now uh, for any of those guys. Yeah. And because I can't tell you, and without a vaccine passport, I don't think anybody can tell you who's vaccinated, who's not, you know, just as don't ask, don't tell doesn't work at all. Uh, policy. So I know, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. If like Craig's going to go to every Indians game from here on out, or if, you know, brands at every crew game, you know, it, it, it's more like we have to make choices. I respect everyone's decision, how they move forward. But if you're out there saying, Hey, you know, I'm not getting the vaccine and, Whatever, you know, I'll I'll do Craig's big hug party that they're doing somewhere in rural Ohio, you know, that that's a problem. I mean I think you should have the clearance to make your own choices, but you gotta respect health. And to sit there and keep thinking that this is just a big sham or a big political thing, you're wrong. So I, I I'd say at least respect people enough to try to get vaccinated, unless there's a really good reason why you can't health wise. And I'm not talking about your politics, like your health. So, so that's where that ends up for me. So, I I don't know, um, Craig oh, or Brandon. You were talking about uh, you guys go check out the mini concert. Uh, do you have any big events that you're kind of reluctant to go to? Just look ahead to summer. No, not no. I'm not. I'm not opposed to going out to. To really big big events myself. I mean, I'll probably because I'm. I think the bigger the event, there's going to be sort of a mask mandate. But even if there wasn't, I'm still wearing a mask, even though it really doesn't do me any favors. It does more other people favors, even though I'm vaccinated. You know, it's just kind of. Uh... So yeah, it's that's that, you know because there'll be crew games. Crew games will definitely be full capacity. Um, and it's really not like being necessarily in the crowd or the mixed. It's really where, according to health experts, the real spread is when you go when you're walking to like a, a concession stands or the um, bathroom. So just kind of be mindful of that and make sure you're washing your hands and and uh, kind of try to maintain your distance as best as you can um, when you're moving about the stadium. Craig, um, uh, it's it's funny because we we've, we've probably already experienced that when we were down in Tennessee last week. We went downtown Nashville, and anybody that's ever been down there knows it's it's a tourism hotbed, and there's just a mass of humanity that walks along Broadway Street downtown, going to the bars and restaurants and the live music, and you know we were probably already in that sort of. Uh, exposure of, of being around a, a mass amount of people. And we were down there Thursday when the, the Predators had their playoff game. And as soon as that ended, 
you know, you're talking about another 14 to 15,000 people that was just released into the streets. So, you know, it, it definitely was a lot of people and it was more overwhelming. We, we kind of got overwhelmed, not because of COVID, but mostly because there were so many people, it was hard to walk around. Um, but yeah, I guess you could say we were sort of exposed to the outdoor elements, at least in that case, we were outdoors, but you're still around people, you're still within distance of, you know, shoulder to shoulder, rubbing shoulders, whatever it may be. So that's probably the extent, I don't think that I would, you know, necessarily go to an Indians or Reds game anyway, but, um, you know, I can see why people are maybe gearing up for it. And I can see why those two, those two teams are, are gearing up for a second opening day, so to speak. But, uh, I think the, the most uh, crowded I would probably get was, was down, down in Nashville. Other than that, probably would go to the movies, but I don't know that I would go to a crowded theater, uh, necessarily only because I really don't like crowded theaters anyway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I've already sort of experienced the mass of humanity crowd so far. On another day, you got to tell us, Craig, if you went to the Kid Rocks bar. Which I did not, no. <laughs> well, I, I told my wife, I was like, we are not going to the Kid Rock bar. Not because it's it's Kid Rock, but because of the colostomy bag right. incident. So, yeah, we, <laughs> long story short, we did not go there, yeah. Very good. Um, hey, I uh, just want to give some insight and some good advice. Um, our, our weekend shows, um, you know, we, we're going to be back tomorrow. We got another segment today, but we'll be back tomorrow for another regular show. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're not here at 6 a.m. Uh, Craig wants to get up at 5 a.m. every day, seven days a week. And we're like, Craig, calm down a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, so he's bargaining us just to do the 6 a.m. Monday for Thursday, but hey, we, we got stuff coming to you over the weekend. I know already um, uh, Bob Garver is uh, talking about movies with Craig. Um, I recorded something with Paul and Joe over the weekend. Um, they're in Mississippi so, and uh, Pennsylvania. So we were talking about the Vaximillion, how it works in Ohio, and we talked about how it's working in other areas. Brandon, this is interesting. For as frustrated as we could be with Ohio at times, uh, Joe lives in Mississippi. Do you know how that there's only 27% of Mississippi people who have gotten the first shot in Mississippi? Oof. Yeah. Um, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Kind of crazy. And thankfully, Joe is fully vaccinated, but you know, he was telling some stories about uh, vaccines in Mississippi and we went off for five minutes about Mississippi raves. Uh, Joe t- is telling us about the rave scene in Mississippi. It sounds crazy, but it actually was entertaining. And actually made me Google Mississippi raves for the first time probably in my entire life. So, yeah, check out the shows. we got some more content coming over the weekend. Um, hey, it'll keep you up to speed with Ohio content as well. So check out, and thanks for your support. We really appreciate it. All right, our, our final segment, uh, we've got one bigger story, and we got a couple other small things I want to mention real quick. Any of you guys surprised? I mean, I was going to say at the end of the last segment, it's a business. You know, um, there's a reason why the Reds are having their second opening day and the Indians are having their second opening day. I mean, yeah, they want to be healthy. Um, that's why, you know, they really curtailed fans last year. But if they think they can sell tickets and be safe, yeah, they're – they can't make money. They, they want to sell tickets. Um, here in Columbus, it's a big deal. Because Ohio State, we didn't have fans 
last year, which for Ohio State's unusual, not just uh, for the city's love of the Buckeyes, but, man, Ohio State home games is big business for area businesses and a bunch of other stuff. Ohio State announced yesterday, we're full board. Come buy your season tickets and, um, you know, you know, there's going to be full attendance at games. Uh, Brandon, I think we've talked about this before. Um, you live down in that area. You don't live super close to the stadium, but you've seen over the years how it does affect business. Uh, I mean, is there going to be any – I mean, I, I think we're going to be back to normal this fall, right or wrong, health-wise. you think it's going to be a same type of downtown Columbus with all the traffic we get for Ohio State games? Oh, my gosh. I mean, when they went back to opening – I thought the Big Ten made a courageous decision to say no season, um, you know, at first. And then, obviously, a lot of player pressure and fan pressure and um, um, had resulted in the games resuming. But what was the real real kicker, though, is when we saw the crowds along High Street um, and – Midway Bar, I'm calling them out. They they were so disregarding those the COVID protocols. They got cited for it, so I'm happy to call them out. I hate I hate that bar now, but um, and I, I say that as someone who used to go to that bar all the time for funds during college. But it, it was it was just disheartening to see like the crowds that still kind of w- went along High Street, and um, especially when I don't even think a vaccine was not even available at that time. Just keep in mind of that. So, or if it was, it wasn't widely accessible. So, you know, it's different this year. I feel like if they had, since they have, you know, um, vaccines out and numbers are going down, like I'm not too disheartened that we're going to have, go back to normal at this point. But it was just, um, you know, it was just kind of disheartening that they had that last year. And, um, um, but this year it's different, so um, I think it will normalcy will, will resume for the most part. I don't know uh, how mu- things how much normal we'll get. I don't know if we'll have like uh, normally they have some special tailgating uh, events that happen all, that have always gone gone on for a long time when I was there. So um, as far as long probably longer, but um, skull session or whatnot. So um, I don't know if all those are going to come back, but at least the bars and the restaurants in the downtown or mostly really that university district quarter will be hopping. I'm sure you heard a loud woohoo from your guy, Big Nut, uh, Craig, right? <laughs> well, so far, no, I have not, but I know he's going to be excited to get back at it. Um, you know, I think we've gotten to the point now where, you know, the numbers are are trending downward. Hopefully that trend continues. And hopefully it's because people are are getting the vaccine or maybe at least, you know, being careful. You know, we still have a couple of more months here until college football season really gets ramped up. Hopefully by then the numbers are, are, you know, down so much that no one's going to care that 100,000 people are sitting in Ohio Stadium on opening weekend and hundreds of other thousands are around the city, you know, at bars watching games or at friends' houses watching games. So, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of excited myself to to see you know things return to normal, but I'm always kind of cautiously optimistic because you know we we felt like we tamped down the the virus last year, and then by the end of the summer we were back up to you know crazy numbers, and then by the fall we were at numbers we 
were warned about by you know Dr. Amy Acton, you know, where we could get up to 10,000 cases a day. So the hope is is that we've gotten to a, the point where we have enough vaccinations out there where people maybe we can't get to that case level and then maybe in this next couple of months, you know, I would I would like, you know, the encouragement to to continue getting vaccinations, you know, continue here. It would be great if, you know, Ohio Stadium said, "Hey, you know, you can enter or maybe you get discounts on tickets if you are vaccinated to maybe entice more people. I, I think we're just going to have to get into the enticement of getting people vaccinated because I think we've hit a lull where people just don't want it, whether it's maybe because it's too early in the science for them or maybe they just don't feel they need it. But maybe there be there could be ways to, to entice people to go to some of these games where maybe you get a you know, a free beer and a hot dog at an Indians game, or maybe you get discounted tickets for, for sporting events or for concerts, uh, just to kind of entice people to get it, because it would be great to see Ohio get to that 70% herd immunity. And I don't know that we'll get we'll get there unless there's more incentivizing. Brandon Craig wants free stuff. He's like, I just feel like if you're... <clears throat> I have nothing against Ohio Stadium going back to 100,000 capacity. I really don't, um, you know, and primarily not because of my personal belief. It's more of if the health professionals are telling the governor, yeah, you can open up, then open up, then fine. Um, I just feel like it'd be nice, though, for the extra level of protection because, you know, like Brandon said, he could see the bars and, and the streets packed last year before the pandemic was really, you know, under control and before we had um, a, a vaccine. So it'd be nice to see those people get vaccinated. But unfortunately, if those are the same people that were doing that stuff last year in the height of the pandemic, I don't believe they're probably going to be vaccinated to a very high level, um, you know, this fall. But, you know, we, we, we do need to return to normal. We want to return to normal. We still should do it in a safe way, and, and hopefully there maybe are incentives from, you know, people like Ohio State maybe saying, hey, if you if you show your vaccination card, you get half off your tickets, or if you're the Indians or Reds, if you show your vaccination card, you get you know dollar beer, you know dollar beer night or dollar dog night or whatever it may be, just to kind of incentivize you know more you know not just the vaccinillion, but now businesses can get involved to, to try to help out and maybe uh, incentivize more people coming in and, and staying healthy. I'll make it personal. I'm off this week, took the time off to watch uh, kids while wife's at school, kind of cleaning up for the year. Um, took them out to eat yesterday. Can't do that today. I'm seeing a bunch of leftovers in my fridge. I need to make them for lunch. I'm not too excited about it. So I've been fully vaccinated. Hey, Columbus restaurants. Bring me free food. I'll meet you on tomorrow's show. How about that? That's my free request. Craig wants everything. I just want, you know, some restaurant to send me free food for lunch. It'd be great. There's three of us. Um, 14 old eats probably for four people. So I might need a dinner for six, but it should be good. Hey, uh, let's wrap up. I want to mention a couple things. Like I thought, it, it was a pretty crazy news day. Uh, a couple things we don't need to talk about for a long time, but I really want to at least mention them. Um, you know, Vaxmillion tonight. Uh, check your phones. If you if you got a weird phone call coming, uh, maybe from a scrambled number or 
maybe Governor DeWine has a burner phone, be sure to pick up. It could be Governor DeWine telling you you won Vax a million. Oh, boy. Brandon, am I going to get in trouble for saying Mike DeWine has a burner phone? Um, I guess I'll have to make it's a call on that burner DeWine. phone to tell you. Well, it's not Mike DeWine's burner phone. You just can't have him call you and his real phone number sticks out because you can call Mike DeWine a lot. So maybe there's like a office phone or like a separate phone or something. Or I'm I'm guessing that the uh, the phone they would I mean they could maybe use you know press secretary Dan Tierney's phone to call someone. Oh, there hey, you. we've got the governor with with on the line and the governor. That's dangerous. Imagine that like they asked Dan to like hey well let's use your phone to call the guy like call Brandon or Chris or Craig and like, no, 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 they, they'll want my number for some reason. Yes. <laughs> well, I already have Dan Tierney's number, so okay. I'm not trying to humble well, Brad. Why is Dan calling me like at 7 o'clock on a oh, yeah. Wednesday night? If Dan, if Dan calls me, I will probably scream with joy if, if he calls me at 7 o'clock tonight. Well, no, even better. He says, Hey Craig, I, I want to follow up with you on a story. Uh, the governor will be. <laughs> right. Craig, hey, this is This is a what? million? Yeah, he'll probably call. I've got something big for you. Oh, it's oh, can you just? Here's a quote for a story or something. Yeah, that would that would be fun. He he, he maybe he will do that. We'll see. But he should. He, you know, he could do that to some reporters. Like, you know, yeah, get you yeah, get you yeah. riled up, and then all of a sudden crush your dreams. Oh my like, gosh. Dan's got like a prank list now. Okay, this is how I'm going to get back at all these journalists. <laughs> well, the day after DeWine announced the lottery, you know, we emailed him. I, I wasn't necessarily expecting the governor to come on, but said, hey, do you got somebody that could come on to talk about this? Yep. And I know that Dan followed up to me and he felt bad he didn't do that. So watch, it'll be like 7.15, he'll call us to say, hey, I felt bad it didn't happen, so we're getting this low-level state employee we've never heard of to come on your show. And it would be appreciate if he does that. But, you know, when, you know, Craig picks up the phone, he starts screaming and sobbing, thinking it's yeah. the announcement that he won Vaximillion, when it's really John Smith, the electrical engineer, is coming on our podcast, so... We, well, we, we, they were, they were able, we were able to give you guys an intern that's been here for two weeks, uh... He'll be on to talk to you about this. So, yeah. you know, but, just my do luck. Us, do us a favor. Obviously not during the show. Or maybe that could be a threat if Dan ever wrongs us. So we'll see if it's cell phone on the show. But, you know, text us or, or send to us a message, his phone number, so we could at least be prepared. If it's 750 and Dan's calling, I'm not going to freak out, but I don't yeah. get too many phone calls from Dan Tierney. So right. if it's 715, the governor might be with him. It should be interesting. So. Yeah. Well, I, I would guess that the governor is uh, probably, I mean, not that he doesn't have a cell phone or doesn't know how to use one. I'm, ju I'm just guessing that in this case, there are probably numerous other people that they could use a phone, you know, a phone for to call the the five winners here. I, I would or the 10 winners, I guess, overall. But I would I would guess that he doesn't need a burner phone. He could just use Dan Tierney's phone or some other you know press secretary's phone that they you know they have some spokesperson's phone. So um, you know, I, I would I would guess just just keep your phone you know phone ready. I guess just in case you never know. Yeah, answer the call, but don't freak out just in case. Maybe he's got a pay phone. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> he really puts a quarter in. 
gives you a call. Oh, man. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Uh, I was thinking about that to mention real quick. Unfortunately, Brandon, 3.2 million people have registered now. Now, we're excited because more people are vaccinated, but now it's a 1 in 3.2 million chance, Brandon, instead of 1 in 2.7. So your odds are going down, Brandon. Yeah, it is. It's looking like um, I'm definitely going to win today. Yeah, today. It's today's the day. Well, I, I got a feeling that, you know, if not today, your your odds are going down a little bit when we get to week three. I, I'll be interested. I'm I'm sure we're going to cover it. Um, again, I'm off to Ohio this week, so I'm not sure who it is. Um, I'd love to send my work a message tonight saying, "Hey, I won. Here's how you can hold me." But I'm not going to freak out trying to find out who that person is. It'll be interesting how this is regarded this week. I mean, first week we were all going crazy. I'm wondering if the Nationals going to covers the same way or not. It'll be interesting. Uh, two other things. I thought this was fascinating. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit, he's known across the country. He's a leading college football analyst. Uh, he's also a former Ohio State quarterback, so he's well-known here in Ohio. Uh, he had COVID five months ago. He's saying he still can't taste the smell mm-hmm. for either one of you guys. Is that weird? That, that kind of struck me as odd. It seems like it. I mean, I know that's one of the symptoms, so – Hopefully he it's restored. I mean, that's you know that's that's the thing we don't really know about is what are the long term impacts of COVID, whether it's you know uh, you know someone that's eighty years old that survives it or twenty or fifty or fifteen. So it, it's really you just don't know how people are going to react to it. So hopefully it, it gets restored for him here soon enough. Brandon, I never heard of five months before. That's that's kind of wild. I've heard of I've heard I've heard similar cases where people are. Um, have don't have their sense of taste back for months after COVID. Um, and that's just, you know, another, another thing to think about when you're not vaccinated, you're, you're gambling, not just like maybe going to the hospital at worst case scenario, you might even a even far greater worst case is, Hey, you will, you will, you might go for a long time without, without getting your sense of taste or smell back. So you'll, um, You'll you'll not really get to enjoy the the fruits of life literally, <laughs> so um, I yeah, just makes, kind of think about that. I wonder if that makes you want to eat more or less. I don't know. It, it, it'd be strange. I mean, hey, time to do that diet plan: kale smoothies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you eat crap and uh, not little crap, but you know, you can eat stuff that you may not normally like, and hey, it'll be good. Like that lose a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, and I guess if you can't taste, you wouldn't crave a ton more food. I mean, you could still eat an obscene amount of food, but I don't know. I, mean, I don't like COVID, but maybe that could help me out. I don't know. Who knows? And then finally, and we'll talk more about this as the days go on, but uh, there was a unofficial announcement made. I guess it hasn't been the official word from Columbus, uh, but you know, you, you, there's been various sources at the Columbus Dispatch uh, that have reported to them that it's Elaine Bryant. She is the assistant uh, Detroit police chief. I got to be honest, I don't know too much about her. She's a woman, person of color. I find that encouraging. Um, I guess it's all a congratulatory tweet to her. Um, it was this woman policing group that on, that congratulated her. So, you know, I, I hope for the best. I mean, I, I like at least uh, – the police seems to be taking a good step and 
Um, my best wish is Elaine. I mean, I, I don't know her at all, so I, I can't really say she's the best or she's the worst or anything. I just want the best because obviously there's a lot of stuff going in Columbus that needs fixed, uh, especially in policing. Absolutely. Congratulations. Yeah. To be a, a good, it's, you know, I mean, it sounds like based on the, the list they had, it sounds like they couldn't really make a bad hire, although you never really know how someone's going to react to the position. But, uh, you know, it's got to be an exciting time here for the Columbus Police Department. Real quick before we go, Brandon, it made, made me laugh. Um, I, I don't want to call him out too much, but there is a PR representative for one of the school districts we covered um, when we worked at the um, newspaper. Brandon worked at together in Crawford County. I don't know if you were with us at the time, Brandon, but I he was very upset that I requested the name of superintendent candidates, and he was very upset that I mentioned their names and where they currently work at. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> well, I think in his – I remember that – we talked about this on the show last week, but uh, I think the good point was is kind of um, um, – it it's um, – like, I think we were asking for, like, the raw list. Like, we haven't even gone down to, like, the finalist. Oh, no, it, it was just, the finalist list. Yeah, no, no it, was, it wasn't, though. It was, I think he told me, like, we had, like, 20 names at one point versus, oh, like, okay. you know, like, for, before they got narrow it down to, like, here's the final four or final five or whatever. But, I mean, honestly, I'm still, like, you know, it's fair game for us to say, hey, here's who's interested. You know, I think that uh, the thing is, though, is kind of, like, it's the gamble you have when you're applying to a public job, you know, you're like, you know, Oh wait, you, you're, 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 you know, you know, maybe you should give a heads up to your employer. I know it's kind of touchy with public jobs. It's a bit of a weird, I don't know how much of a dynamic that is with the, Oh, Hey, look, I'm looking to go to another school district, but, um, well, why still, you know, I, I remember that now. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, why I brought that up was, I can't remember exactly how many people were left, but I know they were down to an interview stage. Now, I don't know if they were down to the point where they say, hey, here's our final two or four or whatever, but they were actually bringing these people in for interviews. And, and the reason why I mentioned that was I know like Columbus was down the last four, and I know the dispatch printed a list much earlier than that, but, you know, there was a guy that was uh, from Florida that there were some questions about how – he was spending department money on dinners and everything else like that. And he ended up dropping out of the race or they said, Hey, you're out. Um, and I, I just love how these public institutions, you know, they're like, Oh, how do you find out this stuff? You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I did a basic Google search for one of the superintendent candidates in the story that we were talking about. And he was under investigation or something. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't me investigating. It was me putting his name in Google and hitting click. You know? So it, it's kind of, I don't know. Public you would think, what are you gonna you do? Know, I mean, there's there's nothing to stop an HR department. There's nothing they can do when they receive an application. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean I'm sure someone is like, okay, you're you're charged of Googling their names and <laughs> seeing what stories <laughs> pop up about them. I'm sure <laughs> I would think there'd be some sort of a, some sort of person has the time to make that kind of uh, initial background check or search, but um, okay. or if they just put that all on the background track, I don't know. But um, or, yeah, or, or at least be transparent. I mean, don't sit there and say, "Oh, hopefully they all have enough reporters to check this out. We'll just go through and see what happens." I mean, who knows? This candidate may have been fantastic. 
on maybe he wouldn't have thought of going to a smaller school and since he had trouble and maybe they were taking a chance hoping everything would go right. But hey, it's public information. And it's not just a local newspaper. Some enterprising parent could say, hey, I'd like to know who you're interviewing. And that that list is available. That's the gold thing of public record. So if you're bringing a guy that you're concerned about what the appearance will look like, at least say it. Like, I know Akron, they recently picked a superintendent. I think they got to, like, the final eight, and they were having public Zoom meetings where they're asking questions and everything. And you <laughs> sit there and you say, well, is this a little bit too much? Well, maybe it is. I mean, I'm probably not going to be watching every Zoom meeting. But then on the other hand, at least it's transparent. At least it's public. And that way people can ask if there's some investigation or whatever. You know? I mean, I, I understand. I've, I've worn both hats before. And I understand as a PR person you get picked off if you think the media publishes too much and the media you want to publish all you can. You get ticked off when the PR person says something bad. But if you take both hats off and you just look at it as what's a country-based one, it's public records. And sorry, if, if you don't want it that way, then let's stop having public records. But if we start stop doing that, we stop being a democracy. You know? That's what you get when you sign for democracy. And, and Brandon, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just yelling more at the situation. So. How dare you, Brandon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brand, Brand doesn't like public records anymore. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> nah, I mean, I'm just, I'm more of a, for a small town, the thing is, it was a small town newspaper. So I feel like, um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, you kind of have to balance it out. But I think at the end of the day, we were within our rights to publish those names. So it's just, you know, it's the gamble you take. I mean, just, um, well, I kind of see where they're coming from on that front, though. <laughs> well, we could talk about this for hours in different podcasts, but it's interesting when you look at journalism these days. Um, it, it's tough. And I know some newspapers have closed just based on COVID and some other things, but you know there is a mantra of small-town journalism that unless somebody comes in that's serious about journalism and wants to make a difference and do things, the hard thing about small journalism is Sometimes your small-town journalism is just writing about your bank sales and garage sales and everything. And not to make fun of that, there is validity to that. There's good things. But the hard thing about small-town journalism, I mean, you know, Brandon, it depends on the editor you have in and the reporter you have in. Um, you know, you could have uh, reported some work at bigger papers that does closer-up journalism. And then when that guy leaves to go on to other places, you get somebody that comes in that would rather you know, cover the garage sale. There's no consistency, which which makes it tough for a small-town journalist. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, um, another point I just kind of wanted to add to that is just, like, even regardless with whether it's small-town or big-town, I mean, kind of the one thing I think we kind of lost a little bit maybe with journalism is just kind of, like, there's times when you might have information and it's not really prevalent or really the public's business. And then it's kind of like as the gatekeeper, you're kind of saying, look, this isn't something I need to report because if, you know, I, I can't look myself in the mirror because, you know, you are affecting people's lives. Um, and I think that's, that's something that, I mean, I remember like, you know, there's when then in school and college, we talked about like, you know, you are you able to like they, they had some sort of rules like are you able to guidelines that maybe for society professional journal standards or something are you able to look yourself in the mirror i don't know if i'm sure there's to some degree like you know we've probably 
they're journalists who probably publish certain things that, you know, maybe just because you could have, we were in our white rights, doesn't mean we should have. But I think it's such an ir- irony, though, that we have a, 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 a demand or a craving for, oh, you guys are going to conceal things from us. You're concealing. You're 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 in on it. You're in on the conspiracy. And it's like, no, I mean, that was the th- beauty of the newspaper, though, is it was just trying to say this is this is it. we were making judgment calls of what was pertinent to the public's interest. If there was some sort of private information or some sort of like um, or personal detail or something that, you know, that really didn't add any in any value to what the public needed to know but could still have ramifications and impact on a person's life, then, you know, that was, those were good. Those would have been good calls to make on, um, on not publishing that information. It's just like, it's kind of like a kind of analogy time of like, you know, lately in the news, it's, we've had stories about, you know, sports fans spitting and throwing popcorn on players. And it's like, people just got to remember our, our, we, you know, these are human beings. Like, People like, um, you know, whether it's an athlete or a politician, they're human beings at the same time and they make mistakes and they um, have a pin. So, um, you know, checks and balances kind of lost out because of the digital age and where information is just now accessible at your fingertips. So. Chris, you're on mute. I guess what I was trying to say before I realized I muted myself. Um, yeah, the quick, and this is good. I, I love being the spontaneous fuel from discussions. Uh, yeah, you always have to be careful. Just because you have a pen doesn't mean you have to write anything. I, I guess what prompted my concern was right now in journalism, you have to look at it, and, and Craig knows this. We've been to enough Gannett meetings where they've uh, beat this into their heads. You've got to consider what are people looking for what what generates clicks and i'm not saying crazy stuff i'm not saying all right let's start covering affairs and everything but just you know th- there are certain things people over the years have proven they don't care to read about i mean that's why we're not as as many city council meetings as we were 20 years ago um so yeah we always need to make that determination and judgment and even though we want to pursue clicks we we want to prove that we have a soul and we have a heart too I guess the question I have is, especially in small-town journalism, if it's a public meeting, the reporter needs to make that determination. I mean, you know, the town that Brand you and I worked at, I mean, there's so many places where, you you know, you go cover a public meeting and people look at you and say, well, that's not for the news. Okay, we make that determination. You said that during a public meeting. Now, if it's a three-hour public meeting, that doesn't mean everything it said has to become a story. But don't go to a public meeting and say, no, that's not for the press. Okay, it's a public meeting. You know, we can make that determination. Now, we have to use our ethics and whatever to say what's fair to report and what's not. And we've done that. I mean, I've done that through my career. I know Brandon has. I know Craig has as well, too. But I, I guess the broad point I'm trying to make is if it's public information, it's public information. Or if you say it during a public meeting, it is public, you know, public information. And I, I think the common good, like you were saying, Brandon, that's changed over the years. I, I know 
uh, you were there. You know, we got you. We were enemy number one of the city that we covered because we had the we had the guts to report on a, a deal that was set in a place to sell a restaurant. And you know, I, sometimes I question myself on the, some of the decisions I made around that. But it was a popular restaurant. Well, that's that's information pertinent to value to a reader. I mean, that's nothing. That's fair game there. I think um, to you know. But um, remember, you and I took calls from family of the restaurant. Oh, the mayor. yeah, they they don't want it published. They don't want it published. But um, but to them, they, they, they said, "Oh, it's not you know pertinent to the public, and how dare it, you ruin the deal or everything else?" You know, everyone's got a different opinion of what that means. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, like, well, I mean, it's just sort of, um, yeah, I mean, I can't find a good example necessarily, but um. Um, you know, it's just kind of like, um, there's always going to be like some details that, you know, we will, you know, want to run with or whatnot. I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but you know, good conversation for another time. It's kind of, we're running over. So, Uh, of course, but very good. Hey, maybe someday Craig, Brandon and I will have like a one-off podcast where we'll say, Hey, we're just talking journalists to journalists. I'm afraid. I mean, I, I like where I work. I know Brandon likes where he works, and Craig likes where he works. I'm afraid if we're totally honest, maybe we all get fired because it's a lot to be careful. Maybe it's maybe it's after we all get laid off, and we're not bashing our employers, but more just saying here's how we really feel about journalism, whatever. So no, it should be good. Well, hey, thanks, thanks for checking out the show. Um, hey, sometimes we get talking and we go way over, like we were doing today. Um, so you're welcome, America. Yeah, don't sit there and say that we're not trying to give you content. We're 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 beating you with the content. We're saying here's more, here's more. So thanks for checking out. Check out our our sponsors. Um, share the show with your friends. We will be back tomorrow to talk Ohio stuff. And then, as we said, uh, we got a lot of our pop culture and fun content. Uh, uh, keep you busy over the weekend. So thanks for checking out the Ohio. And as always, we really appreciate it. Be careful out there. No health orders today. But again, if you see Craig coming at you wearing a big COVID group hug, <laughs> run away. It'll be good. So, I will not be doing that. Yeah. Thanks for checking out the show. You have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.